dazzling white, brighter than anyone on earth could create or conceive. So bright, it hurts the eyes. But Peter and James and John couldn't look away. Something was happening. Something mysterious and terrifying and wondrous. Something holy, like a bush that burns but is not consumed. Or fiery chariots descending from heaven. Amazing, confusing not limited by the human imagination. Unbelievable, except that they see it with their own eyes. Brains racing to process all the sensory input. The disciples try to capture the moment. Peter and James and John of 2021 would have recorded it all with their phones. Instead, they offer to build huts for Jesus and Moses and Elijah. If they will all stay for tea and a snack, we can figure out what's happening. And Jesus, for a moment, is speechless, without comfort for his terrified and confused friends. And then the voice of God speaks from the cloud. Talk about more sensory overload. And then it's just the four of them again. I'd like to think that I'd be calm and collected if I had just witnessed my best friend turn dazzling white and communing with ghosts and then quite literally heard and felt the voice of God. More likely, I'd be shaking. Mind blown, as my teenager says. This story is called the transfiguration of Jesus because his appearance. His figure, his outward being is changed. And it is a moment of transformation for these three disciples, a moment of full immersion into the glory and power of God. None of them, Jesus, Peter, James, or John, will be the same afterward. They can't be. Encountering God, even for a moment, changes us. Mark's story of Jesus begins with his baptism, when a voice from heaven proclaims, You are my son, my beloved, with you I am well pleased. In today's reading, a voice from the cloud says, This is my son, my beloved. Listen to him. Less than a week before the transfiguration, Jesus has told the disciples for the very first time about his coming death and resurrection. And the focus of Jesus' ministry has shifted ever so slightly to preparing the disciples to continue his ministry. We are now on the way toward Jerusalem and Jesus' eventual arrest. We know how the story goes, but the disciples and Jesus are living it moment by moment. Jesus' outward appearance has changed, but his essence, his identity as God's beloved son, remains. His ministry to love all people and to lead in unexpected ways toward the kingdom of God is deepened 
confirmed. For the disciples, they have bathed in the breath of God, gazed on God's blinding, terrifying presence. How they know and understand God's love for Jesus and for them is transformed. If they thought Jesus was a good teacher before, they have now heard God tell them to pay attention better in class. They are now inextricably part of Jesus' ministry. I'm always intrigued by the desire of the disciples to capture the most unbelievable moment of seeing dazzling Jesus with Moses and Elijah. It reminds me of my own desperate and elusive quest to photograph the perfect sunset or a moment of delight on my child's face or the holy quiet of a an empty sanctuary. We simply cannot capture the mind-blowing glory of God in a box or a photo or even music. We can share in its reflection, aspire to its recreation, remember its transformative effects on our hearts. And if we can't hold on to it, then perhaps our challenge is to be more attentive to those moments when we do experience the presence of God, however fleeting they might be, to put down the camera, so to speak, and be in the moment, to dare to be vulnerable to joy and wonder and pain, to admire and fear the God who transforms the world before our eyes. The very same God who overcomes death and fear and shows us a new way of life. The more we see and know God, the more we are called to live with God in a new way, a way of joy and hope, even in difficult and painful moments, a way that remembers that moment when the veil lifted between us and the holy and we glimpse the brightness of our God. No one is excluded from the presence of God. That's why we welcome everyone here at Trinity. No matter your age or first language, what part of the world you grew up in or who you love, we cannot, do not, will not exclude anyone from the presence of God. It's not up to us to measure out God's love and grace. We can choose to remove the barriers that we use to separate us from one another and from God. Right now, we are being called to attend to the barriers of race and privilege, to acknowledge how the church and country we love and live in are steeped in assumptions of white privilege that exclude and harm some of our beloved siblings. And when one feels hurt or excluded, None of us are whole. Confronting fear left even Jesus speechless. He didn't know what to say. But he stayed with his friends to stay in the moment, to walk with them, to translate the experience of God's bright glory in their life together. 
It's scary work to be vulnerable to our emotions and to those of others. And it is when we are open to the moment, courageously vulnerable with ourselves and others, that we glimpse the glory, the beauty, the grace of God in one another. Just as Jesus journeyed with his friends and they learned together how to live lives transformed by glimpsing the terrifying glory of God, we journey with one another through beautiful, amazing, hard, and grace-filled moments. Encountering God in one another or nature, music or laughter, even in fleeting glimpses, transforms us. And we, like the disciples, continue learning and living Jesus' ministry of radical, world-changing love and grace. God of Moses and Elijah, revealed in burning bush and chariot of fire, you speak to us in freedom. Your glory escapes our naming. In your mercy, dwell with us and lift us beyond all fear and empty worship. Through Jesus Christ, the glory of the Father. Amen.